So this is part of the podcast where we include our little sister, Anna, who was here last week and has gone back to her home across the great United States. And I asked if she would want to be involved with this because you had expressed interest in doing a podcast together. I said, awesome, cool. And then I thought, hmm, maybe we can include Anna in some way. So what we got her to do, we asked her to do, and she was game for, was to write up and also record and I'll drop in the recordings later, um, some questions for us, which I'm trying to pull up now. And this will give you another sense of our sister without her being directly here, because I think the questions that she asks kind of say a lot. <laughs> right. It's like if you had six burning questions to ask your brothers. <laughs> like, as the ship's going down. <laughs> like, yeah, as if the ship's going down, like the last chance. And these are the ones she chose. Yeah. Okay. You ready for these? Sure. We can uh, we can alternate who goes first. Okay. Have you ever gotten advice that seemed wise at the time, but in hindsight you realized isn't actually helpful? You want me to field this question? Y- yeah. Or uh, we? I mean, let's, we can both answer, both answer it. I'll, each one. I mean, we could alternate who I'd goes be happy first. To st- I'd be happy to start though, because I was thinking I got to uh, review these yesterday. Um, this is a funny question to me. So if, do you remember someone who gave you advice that turned out to be useless, is it essentially? Yeah. Um, and the answer is mostly no, because once I've found that certain advice is useless, then why would I really remember it? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure people have given me advice that I found to be useless down the road, but then like that kind of clears it out of my memory and my field from it being applicable to my life, you know? It's like, oh, thanks for the advice that I didn't need. So I just don't, I can't think of a specific example is I guess my answer. Yeah, okay. I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to think if I can. Um, I, I can't think of specific ones. There's definitely been times where people have said things to me as if like, it really seemed like it was their story and they were trying to instill it in me of like, if you don't do this, you're going to be this. Or if you don't do this and, and me in my head going like, yeah, you know, that's probably decent advice for like a straight and narrow, you know, someone who's on a more traditional or, or linear trajectory. Mm-hmm. And thinking at the time, like, it's not that's bad advice, but I'm probably not going to take it. And uh, that's okay. You know, I'm okay with that in, within myself. And uh, sometimes I, I maybe have said that out loud to someone when they've said it, but most of the time probably in just in my head going thinking, well, it's interesting they said that. <laughs> that's about it, you know. Yeah, well, there's also, there's times where you're asking somebody for a perspective or advice about a situation. And then there's other times where you get like unsolicited advice. Yeah, which most of the time I'm not into right. getting or giving. And but 
which can be funny though, especially if it's like from an elder or a family member that's kind of outdated. Yes. Okay. So the answer is no, Anna. (laughs) (laughs) Hard no. Um, This is another question from Anna. We grew up somewhere that is racially homogenous. I think that Vermont is socioeconomically diverse, but is one of the whitest um, states in the country. How do you feel like our upbringing impacts the way you interact with race in the world? Oh, it's my turn to start, right? Yeah. Well, I think that my experience mostly with race in the world has been that I didn't really receive any messages that I can think of as a child to be aware of it in any way. Hmm. Um, No one was telling me everyone's the same and it doesn't matter what color anyone is and blah, blah, blah. I don't remember hearing that, although I'm sure it came through from some like books that we read and stuff. Yeah, we used to have that book. The People Book, I guess. The People Book. Yeah, so maybe that. People all around the world. Yeah. So that maybe maybe that book had a bigger impact than I realized. But otherwise, I don't remember that or people saying, you know, sort of uh, putting ideas of why it's right to be prejudiced or racist or anything like that. And my experience with being out in the world is that I notice people of different races. And sometimes it's remarkable to me because we did grow up in such a a place of mostly uh, homogeneity. Um, So sometimes I'm like, oh, this is, uh, there's more of this kind of person around here than I ever grew up with. And that's about as the extent of it. I I don't, you know, I've never felt uncomfortable being around people that look different than me that I can remember. And I take people on an individual basis. And that hasn't really been much of a challenge that I can remember any time in my life, which I'm super grateful for. (laughs) Um, Because... Well, for all the reasons. I mean, I'd like to be able to be as available to whomever I come across as anyone else. And, of course, that's a challenge for different reasons, not usually not for racial reasons, but, you know, people come at you with different energies mm-hmm. when you're moving through the world. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's had a huge effect, and I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, in a, in a way it's been refreshing to go out in the world and other places. I mean, I lived in New York City for six or seven years where literally there's like a community there from every part of the world, every country in the world, it seems, has their own pocket community. Um, I moved into an area of Brooklyn that's was mostly populated by uh, people from like the East Indies who had uh, moved to there in like the 1970s and stuff. Um, East Indian Islands. Uh, I I never felt particularly challenged either. Um, I've always just seen people as people. Like I'm I'm fascinated by different cultures. Uh, I think it's really uh, amazing to see strength in community and cultures 
from around the world because sure while racially homogenous are the cultures we grew up here in this small town in Vermont um, but also like in a way it's kind of culturally devoid like I just remember as a child like it would take years you know before the internet it would take years for something that was like interesting or fashion or like music or something that was like happening in pop culture it would take a long time for it to kind of filter to our little country existence so you know it felt like we were kind of behind the times a lot which was pretty interesting in its own way you know like I remember when people were starting to get into like hip-hop music and stuff and it was such a foreign thing but also so exciting that there was something else out there it's just we just weren't exposed to that much stuff I mean I remember we'd visit our grandparents and I would I'd watch MTV, you know, and kind of like study it, like, wow, (laughs) like what's going on in our culture, you know, and that kind of helped propel like our, our love of music, you know, when we were young, really getting into lots of music. That was one way we could kind of like reach out into the world and feel these different influences and connect with different people. I mean, I've had some some awkward experiences uh, in like mixed racially uh, situations, but I never felt um, I don't know. I've 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 just I've never felt like I was any better or worse than anybody. It's just always kind of, kind of an interesting experience. Okay, let's see what's next. If I were to have a male child, I would would want to ask you this. So why not now? What do you think about circumcision? What I, if I had a male child? What do I think about circumcision? Uh, I think it's a kind of barbaric and traumatic practice. I think it's unnecessary and has long term, potentially damaging ramifications for a child I mean that's what the most sensitive part of your body and your how old when they do it you know like not old not old and so that's one of your like kind of formative experiences in a lot of ways is an extreme amount of pain and then you're dealing with the you're dealing with that for a long time I I know circumcised men who are are like mourning still the loss of this part of their body who kind of long to be whole i i remember seeing some people on the side of the road a few years ago and they were um i think they had on like these funny hooded sweatshirts and were like don't you know had signs and everything mm-hmm. don't circumcise me. and i remember thinking at the time like who cares like like just do what you're gonna do why are you trying to sway everybody mm-hmm. um like just do whatever's important to you and then so yeah and then actually just recently i was reading through this manual for a like a training thing i was doing and they had like a first person account I, I think it might have been something that somebody remembered through a breathwork session mm. and they were recounting their entire circumcision process and 
I had never actually, I'd never seen it happen. I've never heard someone describe what actually goes down. And then, okay, so yeah, so I read this first person account, this person remembering the process of being circumcised and actually it sounded, it, it read almost like an alien abduction and the, you know, because there's these faceless people with these masks on grabbing you and holding, you know, each of your arms down and legs and then this happening and this happening. And I, this was only a couple months ago I read this and I was like, had my <laughs> jaw open. And I was like, wow, I never actually really thought about this before. And the thing that's interesting to me is that and this is not to diminish this in any way, but people talk about with, with um, I think, deserved horror about uh, genital mutilation that happens in certain parts of the world that is perpetrated towards women. And what's, you know, the, the fact that in this, num- in this one country we have this, this tradition, which is genital mutilation, I don't see how someone could argue that it isn't um, and that it's widespread and just sort of taken for granted and that, you know, it's, and then I've only ever heard of that term looking at another faraway culture with horror and having that not be even like acknowledged in a way here kind of bonkers to me, I guess. So I'm, I'm still like uh I think I'm sort of newly, freshly actually learning about it more. And my learning so far has brought me to a place of, um, yeah, being pretty horrified. And also just, like, so strange to me. I don't know when this started. I don't know who. But I have a hard time believing that our arrogance is that far ahead of our evolution that this how could you it's just i don't know it's hard for me to imagine really hearing an argument that could be like this is better it's like well why on earth would it be better if our bodies were made this way like we don't chop any of other parts of our Mm -hmm. and we don't change our anatomy drastically in any other way that i can think of i might be missing something i mean people like get piercings and uh you know but things that are like really widespread um i don't know yeah i'm not educated enough to give like a hot take or have a super strong opinion about it but and obviously it's a big part of the um, Judaism religion and I'm curious to know a little bit more about that and why and also yeah how it did get so popular in America maybe I'll do an episode researching and reporting on that mm. I'd like to learn more. That would be interesting. Um, Okay, I'm going to... What do you think the importance of sibling relationships is in adult life? Do you wish our relationship were different or that we communicated in different ways than we do? Hmm. Oh, I can go first this time. Uh, I think that's the pattern. Um, So... This is an interesting question. Because people often ask me, like, oh, do you have siblings, blah, blah, blah. And, and the next question, of course, is, are, are you, you close? close? <laughs> and I always kind of pause and I go, well, um, when we're together, we tend to get along pretty well. Um, a month or two, 
will, can go by and I don't hear from either one of my siblings and that is not unusual to me. It doesn't worry me. I don't feel bad about it. I don't think that they don't like me or something like that. I think that I've taken on some a little bit of guilt passed down of like, why don't you guys this and that and this and that? And um, uh, there are some times when I wish that you and I were closer and that it was... I don't know, easier for us to facilitate hanging out mm -hmm. than it is. Like geographically closer. Ge yeah, geographically. Because if we were, we would hang out more. I, I I think so. I think so. And it's it's almost hard to know because we have lived very far apart geographically for since, pretty much since you went to college, um, which was a really long time ago. <laughs> mm, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, almost 20 years. Almost, now, yeah. 10 maybe. Yeah. Yeah, almost 20 years now. Um, so it's sort of like, I don't know. And, uh, and Anna and I have grown, I would say that we're more like intimately closer as siblings now in older age than we ever had been. And it's easier for us to go into like talking about more serious territory or more, you know, quote unquote deeper stuff, um, than it was 10 years ago. Hmm. Or more, even especially a little bit before then, um, and I really relish that. And it's not like we talk all the time, you know. It's like we can go there, but I don't talk with Anna very often at all. And but I don't. I, sometimes, when I see other families that are really tight, and everyone tends to sort of live close by, and um, they support each other, and they're sort of their uh like their primary relationships are with their siblings i'm like wow that's really amazing that must be a really special feeling and i really admire it and honor it and i also just am like yeah but that's not what we have and i don't think that's it could change if something happens within our family that requires us or that we all wanted to be do something together that would be different but i i think i'm generally pretty okay with it and I, I don't know how to answer the question of, like, how do I think relate, sibling relationships are important as adults because I just think it's impossible to generalize, you know? Mm -hmm. I think for some people, like, our mothers from a huge family and many of the siblings, like, hang out all the time or at least often, and family is sort of first and foremost. Uh, and we existed pretty far geographically from both of our extended families mm -hmm. and so like we didn't have that that it was never felt like family was really primary right. as far as like a circle of uh relationships yeah our, our family was primary our family was primary to us because parents of, siblings yeah because of yeah this <laughs> growing up in the middle of the woods you know with just them but uh yeah, I, I think for some people it's like incredibly important and it's there's such uh, deep and rich relationships. I know other people that are estranged from their siblings and they don't really seem to care about that. Um, you know, maybe they do deeper down or don't, I don't know. And uh, yeah, I don't think there's a really a, a generalization. I am glad that I have siblings and um, I think that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Um, I 
all of my siblings and like you referenced earlier in our chat like we are quite different people and we happen to live in quite different parts of the world and or the country and at times where we have not lived so far away we have definitely gotten together more often at least you and I you know like we both lived in Hawaii for a while and we'd always we'd get together pretty often and try to visit yeah do do I wish it was different I'm not sure how does the how does the question go exactly uh, it's upside down uh, <laughs> uh, do you wish our relationships were different or that we communicated in different ways than we do hmm um, it could be nice. I'd be willing to try things out a little differently just to see how it went at times. But I'm not sure. You know, now, you know, I'm married now and I have a child. And when you what? No, yeah. When, when you have your like own family, then you become kind of worse at staying in amazing touch with other people in your life, I think. So there's only so much time and space in your day-to-day existence, like beyond taking care of your home and work and kid and relationship. And then sometimes there's like time to take care of yourself. It just depends. Like there are definitely times where we are and have reason to be in contact about certain things or can use each other's perspective on the situation or have something happen in our family that we need to communicate more about but personally I'm I don't know I love and trust you guys and I'm not sure it's like it's just kind of been like this for a long time so Will never change. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, but either way, like it's okay. Like I, I don't lose sleep at night, like wishing something was different. But I'm also open to things being a little different, and I'm not sure how, like, what that looks like. Yeah, I think that one thing I really love learning about both from both about both you and Anna's childhoods from your perspective mm-hmm. um because I, I i get the sense that like you know as i've grown older i'm kind of like we've talked about it a couple times and Anna and i've talked about it a couple times but i really like learning like what was it like for you growing up because i don't think those conversations really happened when we were kids you know we observed each other and we were around each other but I, it wasn't like this is what's up for me and i'm feeling this way you know i don't remember ever connecting in that way and so it's really, really, I, I find it helpful in a lot of ways. I'm curious, just like fascinated um, from different, in different ways, but I'm also just, uh, I find it helpful in a way. Something, it like fills in a, selfishly, it fills in like some kind of gaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah. Okay. All right. Noah, do you want to have kids? Lucas, do you want to have more kids? 
And what are your philosophies about parenting? Mm. Yeah, well, you're up first. Okay. Um, do I want to have more children? Occasionally there's some practical um, realities of that having another, having another child could be nice. You know, especially like company for the existing child. Um, having one and kind of needing to interact with and entertain her a lot um, takes a lot of time and energy. So there's kind of a selfish thing about like, well, if there was another kid, they would, you know, play. Of course, there's no guarantee that children will get along. And there's a lot of uh, factors about having another child, like kind of like carbon footprint, uh, is the world populated enough kind of thing. Um, like what about the lives and hopes and dreams of like my wife and I? Like how would another child assist or detract from these things? Um, it's kind of, it's, it's mysterious, honestly. I, I don't have, like, an extreme pull to continue to father children. Um, I think I could do it. I've been doing okay at it with my first child. Um, there's just, there's a certain thing that happens when you become a parent where you're you kind of have to put your life on the back burner for a while or something. You just have to, you have this fairly helpless little goo ball baby that needs a lot. And so you're, you're not that important anymore. Like within your relationship with your partner, with your relationship with your family members, with your relationship with the world, it's like you be have, are now a, uh, your job is to, nurture and care for and keep this new being alive the next generation and some people they have a nature innate nature where they're just so happy and satisfied um like having and raising children and that's they're so fulfilled by those by doing that and it is fulfilling but i think in our family we have um we have other other things that are more natural gifts for us than being parents. We've we've talked about it a bit and and my wife has said like before we get into any of that like I'd like to have our own house, you know, our own space cuz we've been living with other people. Our daughter's going to be 4 in a few months and that is finally coming to fruition so let's see let's see how things feel um personally i would be open to having another family another person join our family but it doesn't necessarily need to be through a child that we create and birth i've been you know thinking about different options you know there's a lot of children out there already who could use loving homes whether through adoption or foster care or something. so Kidnapping. Kidnapping um, from bad situations. So those uh, 
right now at this moment like that is more interesting to me potentially would be to potentially adopt or something if we were going to have our family grow more um but the the process of uh like for my wife like cooking and birthing and caring for that baby um like for her health and well-being i'm not sure if it's the wisest thing to if she got pregnant again i'm not sure about that yeah and it's not like you weren't doing those things too <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. i've been helping a lot yeah, yeah. but the phys- actual physical like cooking the baby in her stomach oh cooking the baby yeah. okay okay yeah that makes more sense i was no, like i, I was like, it's, I was like people are gonna think you're kind of really old oh what like that she's cooking yeah. doing all the cooking yeah. and clean. no 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 <laughs> i want like, to no. make sure that's not the message <laughs> no. going out because it's not true no i do a lot of cooking and cleaning and yeah. uh <laughs> yeah. Cook, yeah cooking the baby cooking the baby yeah that makes and, more sense birthing the baby yeah really taxing physically and emotionally and energetically but if we are going to make another one the old-fashioned way we won't want to wait too long you know yeah because you know i i know some some men who are like in their 60s and they all of a sudden they have a new baby and i'm like whoa that's a lot it's a lot of energy to keep up with a little child when you're up in the years still a lot of life left in in folks you know past 60 70 but man little kids have insane amounts of endless energy and it's pretty overwhelming even for young healthy parents yeah dad's pretty killer at it still mm-hmm. yeah he's great. he's better than me but it's in, sure. you know as grandparents too like they take it in he takes it in doses right yeah you know like he, he's full on for a little while and then he's like oh, i want to do something else when when you're the parents you don't always have that you often don't have that option yeah um okay so i guess it's if it vacillates for me um uh, i don't have any children um and that you know of <laughs> yeah <laughs> really well, wild i just I, men- I just mentioned that because i have a friend and he just this year found out that he has an 11 year old son holy smokes and he went and like met the kid and reunited with the mother and it's been like a beautiful amazing flowering for I, him I, and now that like he just married the the mother and like their family's back together and it's like a whole it's pretty cool. I I have never fully considered that situation. I can see myself being pretty amazed by it. It's not likely. <laughs> no, I mean given uh yeah, I don't think that's the case. It would be really weird. It would mean that someone was like Conscious, you know, like consciously hiding something right, from me. Right. Like, anyways, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So at certain points in my life, I've found, especially when like this might sound kind of woo woo or whatever, but when my heart has been really blown open, that my awareness of people with children and families and like tapping into like what the love I would feel for my own child would be, like completely turns my world upside down like there's times when i feel like i can really tap into that and i'm like oh my god i would like i can't even imagine how i wouldn't squeeze the kid until they popped because i'd just be so in love with them um 
and then there's other times when like there's I there's a lot of stuff that's sort of been passed through our family systems that I have exhibited in my own behavior that I really 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 do not want to pass down to a child and that's of incredible importance to me and so I I think sometimes like you know especially when your daughter's here and stuff and certain situations come up and I think how would I would I be able to muster the kind of um person that I know that I am at my core in this situation or would I treat her unfairly or in a way that I think might be damaging or that Mm -hmm. might be traumatizing in, in a small way and that um and and you know there's no perfect parent we're all gonna I say we all as if I had children like but I think that everyone passes stuff on to their kids that they're gonna have to wrestle with and that's what we do that's life you know we live in a generally I would argue not very healthy culture and it's pretty hard pressed to imagine that any of us aren't going to pass some stuff down and so sometimes and then I've also like when I've been in different uh, romantic relationships I've thought like okay well and I've had these conversations too like if we accidentally had a child right now what would that look like you know would we want to go through with that and and would we be excited about that would we be terrified what parts you know just sort of playing that game of like thinking about it and there was part of the question so i i'm i guess i'm undecided is what the short answer is Mm -hmm. um and then we'll see if that shifts you know sometimes i feel like it's shifting and sometimes i'm like you know and i'm like oh my god i'm getting old and other times i'm like okay if i just keep getting old and it's okay if i don't have a kid along the way or 10 of them or whatever and parenting philosophies is kind of a huge question. Um, here, we can just turn the mics off for a second. With all due respect, we're going to breeze past parenting philosophies because um, I, for one, am growing increasingly sleepy and have to go to bed soon. Keep your, head, keep your head afloat. Keep your kid alive. Yeah. Um, don't overthink everything. There, there's Lucas's. Um, and <laughs> okay, last question. What are a couple relatively simple things you think we could all do to make the world a better place? Oh, wait, I just want to say one more thing on the last question while you think about that. Sure. Which is, and this might sound cuckoo to somebody, but that's okay with me. I am, this podcast in a way feels like a child to me Mm. in a very small way because it is something outside of myself that I'm consciously keeping alive and that I'm very aware of my language and what I'm, what I'm trying to put out there and trying to, um, you know, as if, as if the whole imaginary world is my my child you know Mm -hmm. that i'm like okay well it's important to me to be careful with my words and um, use language in ways that i believe in because i think that language is really powerful potentially and because this is a a predominantly audio driven medium yeah it does really feel like that in a certain way and it has doesn't have the same immediate consequences or uh, it doesn't 
talk back to me or um, poop or anything like that. <laughs> it's a good test run. But yeah, it's yeah. sort of like a really small, soft opening test run type of thing. Yeah, like uh, if your podcast becomes a serial killer, then maybe don't have children, kind of thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's a couple small things. <laughs> Number one, don't raise serial killers. But you just never know. You never know. What are a couple relatively simple things that you think we could do, we could all do to make the world a better place? Um, Be kind to oneself. Be kind to each other. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, gratitude what we have and what we need um like growing food and eating eating things from the earth but also like acknowledging and communicating with the plants that we consume um is really beneficial like feeling human uh, you know there's easy things like in our site it's like oh well uh, recycle but then no more places I go and live you know you find out oh yeah so that you know in this city so and so has this recycling contract and they make money and they just send it to the landfill anyways yeah you know it, it, their recycling does help but kind of only when there's a market for it companies don't just recycle for the good of humanity they recycle to make money and sometimes there's no money to be made so um yeah make the world a better place Hmm. i don't know yeah being a conscious consumer as much as possible trying to not support and engage with uh, companies that do things that hurt the planet a lot it's it's difficult being human to not do a little damage to the earth just walking around even you're mindlessly unknowingly you know crushing insects and plants and uh, destroying life it's just it's kind of messy being human we're kind of clumsy and ridiculous creatures in my opinion and that's just part of partly how we've evolved too is we've we survive through essentially the mind at this stage of the game like we we don't have the same uh survival skills that many many animals and plants do and they're they don't think about all these things they just live and exist Whereas we're like, okay, I need to clothe myself. I need to build myself a shelter. I need to, you know, figure out how to get to the store to buy food to survive. It's kind of a broad question. Yes, and, yeah, yeah. And a kind of a broad answer, too. Like, I don't feel, like, really great about the things I'm saying. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Who, who are we to tell you how to make the world a better place? Like, yeah. the world is already amazing. In through my perspective, the biggest obstacle 
we face is just learning, relearning how to live in harmony with the natural elements and the natural world. And to remember how to remember how to move in kind of unity and smoothness and community with the earth and each other. I feel a little better about that part. There was a daddy with long legs uh, crawling across the recorder as he spoke, so I think that's a good sign. (laughs) Naturally, you crushed it. (laughs) So I switched it. No, (laughs) kidding. Never. Spiders are friends. Yes. Um, Even if daddy long legs aren't technically spiders, I think that might be a thing. Anyways, um, yeah, it's a really big question, and I think a couple things came up for me. One was that I really believe that people who are in... And when we get back to the like human species that we were meant to be, that a lot of the infighting between us, between us and our environment, between us and our own minds, all this kind of stuff. I think if we're really fostered in a healthy community and we're raised with consciousness and with natural habitat and with you know a nice varied community that cares about us and fosters the person that we were kind of born to be, I think that a lot of the destructive habits just don't even occur uh like it doesn't occur to someone who really loves themselves to be shitty to other people and most of us get trained to uh be really hard on at least one or two parts of ourselves and those tend to be the parts that we externalize um so what does that mean what can you actually do um and i guess that's what i that's what i see as a better world i think of it as a like in one if we just choose one category a better sort of human world because we are humans and we that's where most of us focus most of our energy is uh with interacting with other people uh whether we like it or not (laughs) and so i think that there's the that the more we can do to be kind to ourselves and learn about ourselves my experience has been the more i learn about myself the more easily it easy it is for me to compassion be compassionate to other people mm-hmm. and be empathetic because the more i learn about my own experience it widens my receptivity to other people's experiences and as i've slowly slowly grow you know more accepting and loving of myself it makes it just so much easier just to be patient or just choose to choose to treat people as in ways that i think are supportive Mm-hmm. And of course, I slip up and can be a dick, but um, I think this, you know, just taking a little bit of time and, you know, being kind, like you said, being kind to people even can go a huge way. And it it does matter to me. It I think it makes a huge difference. And mm-hmm. just taking those moments, if you're in a if you're in a community that's comfortable touching you know putting your hand on someone's shoulders rubbing their neck when you're standing next to them holding your hand holding their hand i think stuff like that goes a really long way um if you see someone struggling being there in whatever way that they need um and 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 one thing that is really interesting to me i was hearing this interview with this guy johan hari and he was talking about this study they did where they took three or four different countries or four or five and they told individuals in those societies to like consciously make themselves happier over a period 
and all of the countries except for the United States the people immediately what what they did to make themselves happier was try to make other people they give to other people because they knew innately that to and actually to have like sustaining uh, happiness within themselves they would it, it required giving to the community mm. and in the United States the people were like all right well I gotta go to the spa and I gotta buy chocolates and I gotta get myself a mani-pedi mm-hmm. and I have to um you know read my book in the bathtub and and, and it's not to disparage any of those kind of self-care things. I think they can be incredibly important. Um, it's just recognizing that we are a social species, and I think that giving goes a lot long, uh, go, goes a lot further. Giving to the people and places and animals and trees and plants and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, generosity. Generosity goes a long way, and it's. Um, I mean, it's hard sometimes because we we live in a culture that is very much like hoard what you got. Mm-hmm. Get as, get as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. And uh, get as many boats as you can. Yeah, and I know even for me, like I can have like a sort of hoardy mentality sometimes, and it brings me no joy. But giving stuff to people brings me great joy, and I love the only reason I love having stuff is so that I can give it to people, <laughs> or at least that's the most reason I love it. Um, okay. So, um, thanks, Anna, for those questions. I hope that uh, you listen to this and yeah, learn something maybe learn something about your brothers and we've learned a little bit about you <laughs> and uh yeah thank you so much lucas this is a lot of fun yeah you're welcome i'm enjoying myself and um, i think you know this we want to make the world a better place we gotta get everyone on this planet to mars as soon as possible <laughs> yeah like, without ruining this one yeah like, if we could just leave but and still be okay you know, I I personally believe that the Earth is kind of a self-cleaning mechanism, and we are a kind of tolerated parasite. And once we're beyond the point of being tolerated or healthiness on the planet, then she's just gonna kind of clean up, clean clean house a bit. Yeah, my number one hope is that it, well, if humans end up sticking around at all, which I'm not attached to, I'm fine either way, but I hope that that we get wiped out except for some small pockets and that those small pockets also have their memories erased mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just like they they just show up as human animals and then mm-hmm. they're like oh well this is what we do we live in small like communal groups and mm-hmm. we share everything equally and we support each other and we, we look after we you know all the all the things yeah there's a it's an interesting homework assignment to see like kind of uh, one version of what's possible is to watch the movie it's called the green beautiful and i believe you can find it on vimeo and youtube it is a french movie that from the 70s and it just the first 20 minutes especially paints this picture of kind of what the capacity we have as humans to be and how to live in harmony with our natural surroundings and community and it's it's really amazing and the movie itself is quite funny but it's essentially there's humans living on a planet it's all green and they grow food and share and live in communities and live to be like 250 years old and develop uh, their psychic gifts and physical gifts and um, just kind of live in this kind of utopian way and then 
the conflict in the movie comes when they're like, oh, remember, no one's been to go check on Earth for a long time. Does anyone want to go? And no one wants to go. Everyone's like, oh, no, forget that place. And then this one lady's like, I think, like, had some reason. And she's like, I volunteer, I'll go check on Earth. And so she travels to our planet and then, you know, she ends up in Paris and is just like so horrified by well, they'll tell the whole what thing, is Lucas. going they'll on. They'll tell the whole thing. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a teaser. <laughs> okay. You know, the more things happen beyond that. But uh, this movie, they somebody made it and then they didn't let them release it in theaters. Oh. Yeah. Black uh, market movie. Yeah, but you can find it now. The Green Beautiful. The Green Beautiful. Okay, that's some it's, good homework. Yeah. It's really great. It's a really good movie. Cool. All right. Well, love you. I love you and let's uh let's let's go to bed. Yeah, love you too. <laughs> Time for sleep. Yeah. Bye everybody. See ya. 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 Bye ever